G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. As we launch into 2024, many of us in Australia are facing increasing pressures from interest rate rises, cost of living pressures, relationship strains and the many other challenges of living in a complex society. But today, let's shift our attention to Christian brothers and sisters around the world who are facing the reality of the greatest persecution of Christians in a single year since the birth of the Christian church 2,000 years ago. Right now, there is a staggering 365 million Christians around the world being severely persecuted for their faith. But thankfully, there are ministries dedicated to supporting the persecuted church. And one of these is Open Doors. And they've just released their world watch list for 2024. Jordan Scott is a communications specialist with Open Doors, and it's our great pleasure to welcome Jordan to the program today. Jordan, welcome. Hey, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me. Jordan, it's always a pleasure, and sadly our subject matter isn't that pleasurable. It's We're talking about the persecution of 365 million Christians right now around the world are being persecuted. Can you just define for us what the word persecuted means for us to come up with that number? Yeah, so persecution means any kind of discrimination or abuse that comes against someone uh, based on their ethnicity, their religion, um, or anything else that um, that we would define as freedom. So uh, for us, we measure on the World Watch list the levels of very high or extreme persecution. We serve the most persecuted Christians at Open Doors. And so our 365 million Christians who are persecuted for their faith isn't um, that it's not uh, small instances of persecution that we're talking about. It's that um, high to extreme levels of persecution. Yeah, so that's almost a conservative list. And I'm just thinking that's a million people every day for this whole year are going to be persecuted for their faith and, and by your definition, severely persecuted. Do you find people are surprised, especially in Australia, when they hear that there are so many Christians around the world being persecuted? I mean, it's such a good question because I think that as believers, we're all aware of some kind of resistance uh, from the world uh, about our faith. We, we read in the Bible that persecution is promised. Uh, we follow a crucified Messiah uh, who modeled to us what it looks like to suffer for the joy set before him. And so I think we have some level of understanding about persecution, especially, you know, reading the, the stories of how the, the early church started, the persecution that the, the disciples faced in Acts and then the birth of the early church. Um, it was all marked by persecution. And so I don't think any of us would be surprised to hear that um, as Christians we will 
for our faith. But the extent to which people face that opposition, uh, the reality of the cost that many people pay, I think is surprising. Um, the fact that when people uh, give their life to Jesus, they um, immediately lose their family or friends. They immediately have a bounty put on their head. They, uh, they uh, immediately surrender so much. I think that is the startling thing uh, in a world which feels really free and democratic for us maybe here in Australia. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to, to, wrap, to wrap our heads around. It certainly is, Jordan. And as I said earlier, your ministry or the ministry you're a part of, Open Doors, is dedicated to helping the persecuted church. Just on a personal note, what drew you to this ministry? Why does Jordan Scott, the former school captain of the Manly Village Primary School in Sydney, to all of our Sydney listeners, uh, and, and, and a big shout out to our Sydney listeners, Jordan, we are now digital across Sydney and Melbourne as of the 1st of January, so we have a signal. It is very cool. So you need to tell all your friends and family about that. But a a girl from Manly, what drew you to work for Open Doors and help the persecuted church? It does actually feel quite removed um, from our everyday reality, especially uh, when I gave my life to, to Jesus when I was 13. I had people from Open Doors come and uh, come to my church. Some of the people listening here may have also had um, an Open Doors rep come and um, and come to their church. And honestly, when I was growing up in, in church, you know, between the ages of, of 13 and, and 18, I just um, didn't connect with it, to be honest. I really connected with compelling stories of, um, uh, you know, children that were, you know, suffering in other parts of the world and and child sponsorship. I really connected with that, but I just couldn't connect with um, the persecuted church. It just felt too far away from my reality. And, um, and so I ended up working for World Vision for a while. And I actually saw the power that um, people could have, that they could make a real difference for people in people's lives. And, um, and, and honestly, I didn't really think too much about open doors, but then I was at a conference one time and I saw this tent um, and in the tent it had these uh, beautiful photos of the Middle East and I was lured in by the photos Um, but then I saw this quote on the wall um, and it was actually from a Chinese secret believer and it said when faith becomes free the value of Jesus drops I want you to pray that persecution never leaves China and when I saw that honestly I think I was really shocked because I think up until that point even though uh, this wasn't true. My perception was that we would be trying to end persecution. But this guy, uh, the secret believer in in uh, in this quote that I was reading, he understood something about the value of Jesus that I didn't understand at that time, that he would actually pray, that he prays that persecution would never leave because it helps him to actually value uh, the man Jesus in his life and to count that cost and to be united with him in, in Christ's suffering. I couldn't ask for that, but I wanted to want to pray that. I wanted to want to understand that. And I think in that moment, I I realized that I needed to learn from the persecuted church. And so all of a sudden, the persecuted church went from being something that was really far reality away from me to actually being something that I realized I needed to be discipled by the persecuted church. And so I started to learn about the persecuted church. I went on a journey of about three years of trying to understand the church in Iran, um, just trying to kind of get my head around what 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 persecute the impact that the persecution had on the church and what the global church really looks like. And then um, and then my my investigation led me into um, yeah this this role at Open Doors. So that's kind of been my journey. I I, I learned that I needed to become a disciple of the persecuted church, and then um, and now here I am getting to share those stories with uh, with with other people.
Yeah, very challenging, Jordan. And I hope and pray many of our listeners are also being challenged by your story, but also by the information we're presenting. Can I ask, how is the list of the worst persecutors, as in the nations of the world that are, you know, engaged in the most persecution, how is that list compiled? Yeah, so the process of compiling the World Watch list is actually very rigorous and detailed. It takes the input of thousands of people through extensive networks uh, that we've kind of collected over over many years. We've been uh, doing the World Watch list, releasing the World Watch list for 31 years now. And for each country that's being researched, which is more than the top 50 that we end up actually publishing, uh, the instances of violence and then detailed descriptions of pressure. Uh, on Christians are supplied by these four main groups. So we have the in-country networks and they contribute as much of the grass level, uh, grassroots level information as they can possibly give. Then we have open doors country researchers. They assemble the input from their in-country networks and they add their own expertise and they fill out this really detailed questionnaire um, for the specific countries that are under their research. And then we have external experts. So people who provide information that can be used so we can cross-check our information and make sure that it's um, uh, true and an accurate representation of what's happening in that country. And then we have World Watch List research analysts, and they combine all of this research with their own monitoring results, and then they compile the final version of the World Watch List that we see today. And it's my understanding that many of these people compiling the report are not only university educated, but have to be doing a PhD just to make sure it's a very rigorous academic study? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Especially our World Watch List research analysts. Um, When I I get the privilege of being able to sit and chat with many of them, and wow, the depth of their understanding is so profound. Um, I have to ask them what they mean by a bunch of things, even though this is my world. uh, But their level of of understanding and research is just so profound. So uh, yeah, we're very, very lucky to have some some real professional um, experts here uh, helping us to compile this. Yeah, but what it means is, as I said earlier, it's almost a conservative report. It's not an exaggerated report. So when we say there are 365 million Christians around the world being persecuted now for their faith, it's legit. And uh, it's something that we have to face as Christians. And it reminds me of what the Bible says. Paul said, didn't he, that we need to remember those who are in prison. We need to remember him when he was in his chains and Sadly, it is an aspect of Christianity, isn't it, that there's always going to be Christians who are being persecuted for their faith? Yeah, absolutely. I mean... even there are some countries where it's the the church is so underground and so secretive that we actually can't know the extent of the persecution um, that that people face. Even I was just um, recently writing about Yemen, and I was looking through some of the, the the research that they'd done and just realizing that you know they can they can. Um, take all the information that they have, uh, but then there's so much secret Christianity, but there's also so much secret persecution that we just will never know about. So we can only document um, the information we have, but um, the numbers are likely uh, a lot bigger and even more um, concerning than than what we even know. But, I mean, for reference, we've got 365 million is our number this year. But in 2014, that number was 100 million. So uh, just 10 years later, the number of Christians that face um, that kind of high 
to, to very high to extreme level of persecution it has more than tripled. And we're up to one in seven Christians now facing higher extreme levels of persecution uh, simply for their choice to follow Jesus. So, um, yeah, I mean, just seeing how much it's growing, um, the, the impact of that is, is pretty profound. Let's talk about the top 10 nations for persecution around the world right now. Can we go through that list, please? Yeah, for sure. So number one, um, and this may not surprise people, number one on the list is North Korea. It has been the most dangerous nation in the world to follow Jesus for the last 20 years that we've released the World Watch list, uh, apart from one year where Afghanistan took over right after the Taliban takeover um, of Afghanistan. And that's very devastating. And that wasn't actually because North Korean uh, persecution had gone down. It was just because uh, the persecution in Afghanistan was so high. And that was at the 2022 World Watch list. Um, But now we're back. Uh, North Korea is number one. It's impossible to follow Jesus openly in that nation. Uh, The Kim family have uh, run the most oppressive persecution of Christians um, in in the world for for many, many years now. And uh, if you're caught as a Christian, you're either killed and your family's killed or you're sent to a forced labor camp. So very, very, very very, very challenging place uh, to follow Jesus there. Yeah, so then that's after- interesting, isn't it, when you think about it? So the biggest persecutor of Christians on a national level, level is actually from an atheistic regime, not from a religious regime. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think we've got these two the these two kind of uh, drivers of persecution that are really emerging. Uh, one is authoritarian and autocratic regimes. Um, we're seeing this particularly emerging in Asia, and then we've also got um, this uh, you know a religious uh, leadership which is also uh, squashing Christianity too. So you've got these two main drivers. Um, uh, yeah, which which is yeah really really interesting. But as you said, it's that atheistic but um, but emperor worship um, there happening in North Korea. And then the next couple are all uh, Middle East, North Africa. Uh, we've got number two is Somalia. Number three is Libya. Number four is Eritrea. And number five is Yemen. So that's that Middle East, North Africa um, kind of uh, pocket right there, which is is very unstable. Um, and then after that, we have Nigeria, which is the most violent place in the world to be a Christian. Um, and that's mainly due to the right in Islamic extremism, which is happening in sub-Saharan Africa. Um, it's, it's really devastating hearing some of the statistics coming out of Nigeria and the, and the, the violence that Christians face um, in that nation. Yeah, and I, know, after- I know we do have some listeners who live in Australia, but they're of Nigerian uh, descent. I've met a few of them, actually, in Melbourne and in, in Brisbane as well. Let's talk about that. Tell us about what we know about the persecution in Nigeria today, Jordan. Yeah, so more believers are killed for their faith in Nigeria each year uh, than anywhere else in the world combined. So just like we, we can sit on that for a minute. More believers are killed for their faith in Nigeria each year than anywhere else in the world combined. 
that's how many uh, Christians pay the price of their life uh, in Nigeria, which is just absolutely devastating. Um, so the, the attacks uh, on Christians in Nigeria are often very brutal. Um, they can involve the destruction of properties. Uh, we see, um, sadly, many abductions for ha happening, um, uh, some sexual violence as well, which is just very devastating against uh, mostly Christian women. And then, um, as I mentioned, also um, many are killed. So believers are stripped of their livelihoods. They're driven from their homes. And it just leaves this trail of grief and trauma. And this is mostly due to extremist groups such as Fulani extremists, uh, Boko Haram are operating in the area. And then Islamic State uh, is growing uh, very rapidly in uh, sub-Saharan Africa. And um, yeah, it's, it's actually Islamic State in the Western African province. So it gets nicknamed uh, ISWAP. And it's, um, uh, yeah, one of the growing um, uh, extremist groups that, that, that is causing a lot of violence and, and wreaking havoc on the church in Nigeria. Yeah, and a lot of people don't realize, I was actually a missionary in Nigeria, there's 200 million people in Nigeria. It's, uh, I think, one in five black-skinned people in the world come from Nigeria. So it also has the largest Christian church building in the world uh, in Lagos, or just north of Lagos. But for those uh, listening who don't know much about Nigeria, the north is Muslim, isn't it, Jordan, and the south is Christian. And the further north you get, that's where the persecution seems to be happening happening because there are Christian minorities in all those northern states. So just repeat that. There are more Christians killed in Nigeria than the rest of the world put together every year. Yeah, I didn't actually know that you were a missionary in Nigeria, but yeah, you're exactly right. Um, the, the northern states of Nigeria, um, actually some of the states in Nigeria actually have Sharia law. Um, so Christians um, sometimes live um, as though they're second-class citizens. They face social discrimination and oppression, um, and especially converts from Islam in those states would experience uh, devastating rejection from their own families and, and uh, immense pressure to renounce their new faiths. Yeah, it's, 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 it's really sad, isn't it? Like, really sad. I think I was, the last time I was in Nigeria, Jordan, I was in a city called Jos, which is a northern city. And it used to be the capital for all the missions organizations in that part of Africa. A lot of the foreign missionaries lived there. But when I was there, churches were being burnt down and the pastor's houses were being burnt down as well. They were usually living next door to their church buildings. And yeah, as the pastors and their families would try and flee the flames, they were just cut down. It was just awful. And I was taken on a tour through the city and saw all these burnt out churches and houses where these uh, atrocities had been committed. And 30 years ago, that was a Christian city. Um, but the, um, the Muslim population migrated to that city and slowly became a strong enough minority that they got very violent and very vocal about what they want. So, yeah, very sad, but I'm so glad that you're monitoring that part of the world because some of the most beautiful Christian people you'll meet come from Nigeria. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, Joss and just the Plateau State more widely, um, we've seen some really terrible attacks happening um, up there. I, maybe some of your listeners would be aware of the, um, there was a Christmas Eve attack that went through um, into Christmas Day, um, and that was really devastating. They set the church on fire and um, but burned down the library, and um, yeah, it was, it was a really devastating attack, and that happened um, uh, on Christmas Eve in, in Joss or just outside of Joss. Yeah. So that's Nigeria. So that's number six on the list. So let's go before the news break. We want to get through the, the next few. Who's next on our list? Yeah, so after Nigeria is Pakistan, number seven. 
Um, then we have Sudan sitting at number eight. Then we have Iran uh, at number nine. And then Afghanistan is now at number 10. Um, and I mean, it, it's difficult because all of these, I guess, are very conservative numbers. So as you mentioned, um, you know, this is our, this is the, the data that we have. So it, it could be very um, uh, true that there's more persecution happening in these nations, especially in places like Iran and Afghanistan than we know. Um, but yeah, this is this is our, our top 10. Now let's talk about Pakistan because obviously Pakistan is a country that Australia has fairly good relations with. We play cricket against them. Um, the, the cricketers are from Pakistan are great guys. What does the persecution look like in Pakistan? Yeah, and I guess uh, people will be kind of have Pakistan uh, front of mind with the cricket on. I know that the cricket's been on uh, in my house, um, but yeah, we've we, we've seen some um, terrible attacks happen uh, in Pakistan during this most recent reporting period. Um, we had a, a devastating attack on the Christian community in Jaranwala, which actually happened in uh, August of 2023, and uh, it, it's kind of a, a sobering reminder of the hostile environment that many believers face uh, in Pakistan. We had almost 20 churches and 100 homes uh, attacked, and that was in response to allegations that two believers had desecrated the Quran. And so primarily the kind of persecution that we're, we're seeing come out of Pakistan is just these false uh, accusations or allegations of blasphemy. Um, we, they, we've got these notorious laws in Pakistan, these anti-blasphemy laws, uh, but they're, they're unfortunately really used to target minority groups and Christians are disproportionately affected by those uh, blasphemy laws. So roughly a quarter of all blasphemy accusations uh, target Christians. So 25% of blasphemy accusations target Christians, but they only make up about 1.8% uh, of the population. So that's very disproportionate um, there. And so you can see that those false accusations um, are, are really used to intimidate and, and incite violence. Um, and they lead to uh, unjust imprisonment and, um, and yeah, abuse socially too. Sort of sounds like there's stories in the book of Acts where the mobs would just rise up in an irrational, highly emotional way against Paul and Silas and Paul and Barnabas, just based, like you said, on rumors or accusations. And obviously there's a spiritual dynamic to that as well, isn't there? But very sad for the Christians caught up in it. Yeah. And I mean, you're touching on something pretty profound there about the 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 persecuted church to me are uh, the book of Acts continued. You know, it, it's a reminder that, um, you know, while the world hasn't changed um, and, uh, and in many ways we'll keep facing that same opposition over and over again, um, also God hasn't changed and he continues to meet with people miraculously and bring people to himself. And um, there are some pretty profound stories um, of that out of Pakistan and that the church there is just such a beautiful church and they, um, yeah, they're really resilient in the face of those uh, blasphemy charges. So, yeah, I, I love that you tied it back to, to the Book of Acts. Is there evidence, Jordan, of people being converted to Christianity in Pakistan at this time as well in the midst of the persecution that the church is actually growing? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the church is definitely growing in, in strength, for sure. Um, there's a, a couple, I, I can't name them, but um, they both received blasphemy charges. And the way that um, the, the community rallied around them in prayer, and they went to hearing after hearing, and their case got knocked down and uh, pushed out, and, and they received so much social pressure. And I was following it because uh, we were praying for them at Open Doors, and um, and you know we were encouraging our, our uh, supporter base to pray for them and um, uh, even though their case hasn't been finalized yet uh, they they continue to, to hold on to Jesus and they believe that it's worth it to follow him uh, even in the face of their whole life being um, kind of you know thrown into into the unknown because of these blasphemy charges they they won't stop loving him um, and that to me is so profound uh, that it's you know they remind me that it's not based on what we um, you know what what we get from God or how good our life is on on this earth but um he's good yesterday today and forever and he's faithful um no matter what's going on around us amen amen so challenging too jordan i just want to focus in on this persecuted church in a different part of the world than we've been talking about let's talk about china and india they are two of australia's biggest trading partners and yet there is rising persecution in both those countries as well yeah, so there's actually been a sevenfold increase in church closures worldwide. So sevenfold increase in church closures, seven times more churches closed uh, this reporting period than the former reporting period. And India and China have actually uh, made up the bulk of those church closures. In fact, they make up 83% of attack or closure incidents in churches uh, across the, all of the countries on the World Watch list. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty staggering seeing that kind of increase there. So let's just stop. You're saying there are seven times more church closures in the last 12 months than there were in the preceding year to that. That's right, yeah. I mean, it, it's pretty hard to wrap your head around, but yes, that's the, that's the statistic. Well, let's zero in. So let's talk about China firstly. So what's going on in China? Why are churches all of a sudden being closed down? Yeah, so China's uh, autocratic government really means that Christians experience very little freedom and it's becoming uh, less and less free for Christians. In fact, young uh, Christians in China who maybe gave their life to Jesus as, as teenagers, maybe they're still teenagers, they have never experienced this level of persecution before. And the last couple of years, we've seen a real tightening uh, around religious freedom in China. And we're seeing that digital persecution is rising rapidly. So many churches that were closed closed uh, because of COVID-19 and, and the pandemic, um, they're actually having uh, real problems reopening. Um, there's there's a, a lot of hoops to jump through. Some are just unable to reopen and a record number of churches are still being closed through uh, some new and then some uh, old measures. And so we actually saw an estimated 10,000 churches in China closed Uh during this reporting period, so the, the 12 months um, uh, before us. That is a and lot those, of churches, 10,000 yeah. churches. 10,000 churches, yeah, and, and those are um, the, the legal churches and some of the house churches. And then um, for the churches that are still open, uh, every legal church has to have CCTV cameras installed inside and outside the church. We have sermons that are closely monitored for anything that's considered anti-government. Sometimes they have to display um, pro-government slogans uh, it, within the church. So, yeah, it's, a very, it's, be, it's becoming a very restrictive environment for Christians. 
Christians in China. And as I said, I mean, China is one of a big, uh, our biggest trading partners as a nation, Australia. Is there any evidence of any pressure being exerted on the Chinese government from Western democracies about the persecuted church? Or is it really just going under the radar and no one's talking about it? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we're not privy to the conversations that happen behind closed doors. But, you know, we really would love uh, the government to, to mention it and to, to advocate for the rights of all people uh, within uh, a nation like China, a nation that does have an uh, increasing amount of influence on the uh, on the world, because um, it's not just Christians that are persecuted within China. Um, it's also uh, Muslims, the, the, the Uyghur people who are uh, also persecuted within China. And, you know, we, we would love to see that measure of uh, freedom offered to all people uh, within a nation like China and for the, the Chinese church to continue to, to grow in, in resilience. But we are um, trying to equip the church in China to, to face up to that persecution, to know what to expect. Uh, we've been running persecution preparedness training through local partners in China, so helping to prepare the church for the persecution that may uh, may await them, whether they have to go from, um, you know, a, a, a legal church to an underground church, uh, whether they face persecution from uh, government institutions, from their families, uh, maybe their pastor is taken away, um, maybe they, they have uh, even more limitations put on them than, than before. So we really want to equip the church uh, in China to, to, to know what to expect and to respond to it in a, in a biblical way um, and to to not lose their faith in the process. Yeah, and I remember the um, the book that came out, The Heavenly Man, and that was a, a very big selling Christian book, and uh, that guy ended up doing tours around the world. Is there evidence of pastors like him being in prison for their faith again? Is there an increase in imprisonment? I actually saw him um, in America. Uh, I was in uh, Florida for a conference, and and I got to see him. Uh, oh my gosh, just such beautiful faith, and um, and I mean that's you know that the church in China is you know the I think it's the second fastest growing church in the world, um, and and there are people just craving uh, God and and um, that wholeness that only Jesus can bring. And so um, yeah, we're continuing to pray uh, for that that continued growth, even in. The the face of opposition. I'm not sure about the specific numbers of the amount of Christians that, that are imprisoned, but pastors do get um, tracked more digitally. That that's something that um, that uh, I, I do know. Um, pastors uh, are tracked more digitally. Their footprints monitored. Um, the messages that they send uh, are monitored. That the access to resources are limited. Um, the the internet in in China means that it's actually quite difficult to get a hold of Christian resources and um, sermons and um, some, you know, some blogs, the things that, you know, you and I might take uh, for granted to just be able to jump on and listen to a, a sermon from America if we want to. Um, yeah, they, they can't access a lot of uh, that kind of content. So it's a, it's a very restrictive and, and, and it can be very dangerous for pastors who are usually the first to be, um, uh, to be punished. Yeah. Well, we mentioned the book of Acts earlier. And just as you were talking then, I just was thinking about Saul, you know, when Jesus appeared to him, he said, Saul, Saul why you're persecuting me and it just feels like all around the world including the chinese government people are going after the church but what they don't realize is that jesus is in the midst of his church and the good thing about the the saul story is that saul became paul and went on to win thousands of people to the lord and so the attacks on saul, that saul was instigating didn't uh diminish the church did it? it actually caused church growth eventually and we're just going to believe aren't we that in china the church continues to grow despite the Chinese government's efforts to suppress 
the body of Christ. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think stories like that stop it from being um, us versus them. You know, there's, uh, you know, like like Paul says, where this this war isn't against flesh and blood. It's about um, the powers and the principalities of the air. Um, so, you know, it stops us from hating the persecutors. We retain hope for the persecutors. We um, we we love and have faith that God um, can change their hearts and and uh, will 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 heal them and and you know, change their, their story. Um, and so, yeah, that's one thing that we really hold on to our open doors is that, you know, that the actual persecutors are not the enemy. Um, in fact, we, we pray for our persecutors and, um, the Chinese church, uh, definitely embody that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now there's another country, India, which, uh, is also one of our big trading partners. Um, let's talk about India. What is going on with the Christian church in India? Yeah, so in the lead up to elections this year, we saw a big spike in our persecution of Christians. There was actually a ninefold increase in the number of Indian Christians killed. So the number of Indian Christians killed rose by nine times the amount. In one year. Last reporting period. So there were 17 killed uh, in the 2023 reporting period, and uh, there have been 160 killed in the 2024 reporting period. And so some of the some of your listeners uh, may have followed what happened in Manipur. Uh, we were talking about it quite a lot. There was um, some ethnic violence that uh, that turned into um, or. or uh, definitely had religious undertones. Um, there were Christian um, homes and churches and religious buildings that were um, destroyed by fire. Uh, it was really, really devastating seeing that kind of violence happening. And actually, the Prime Minister of India, um, Modi, was actually in Australia uh, during the time of uh, when when that violence was happening in Manipur. And it was just this, um, as he was meeting with leaders in Australia, uh, this kind of violence was happening against Christians in Manipur. It was a, it was a kind of a horrific moment, I think, because, you know, we, he, as he received this rock star welcome and, you know, um, it, it's great that we have such good connections with India. Um, but, you know, when, when things like this is happening to our own brothers and sisters, it just makes you want to say, do you see them? You, do you see their suffering? Um, so, yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty sad um, what's happening in India. I mean, more than half of the world's population, uh, 4 billion people will cast their vote in elections this year. Um, and some of those elections will be free and fair, but the reality is that many of them will be far from free or fair. Um, and so, yeah, those the elections that happened um, in India, I think, um, is, is a testament to that. Yeah, that's it. That is it. Just, just quote those numbers again, the amount of Christians killed in India last year compared to the year before that. Just give me those numbers yeah. again. Yep. So in the 2023 reporting period, there were 17 Indian Christians killed. And then last year in the 2024 reporting period, there was 160. So yeah, that's, yeah. That's massive. Nine times. Yeah, Yeah. that is, that is huge. And a lot of uh, Indian people are migrating to Australia at the moment as well uh, and, and seeking a new life here. But again, is there any evidence of our government mentioning the Australian government, that is, uh, this to the Indian government, or is it just simply business? We just do business with India and we leave it at that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say. Um, I think, you know, there's there's a lot of disparity in India um, and many people would attest to that. Um, it's got its amazing strengths and then also um, there are a lot of people who are very vulnerable within India. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I would certainly hope that the government is working toward um, just greater equality for the vulnerable people in India, uh, including Christians. Yeah, now, as well as deaths in India, there's also an increase in attacks on churches and Christian schools. Have you got any stats on that? Yep. So there was a sevenfold increase uh, in church closures um, uh, and attacks. So that's, uh, yeah, seven times the, the amount. Um, and, and it's particularly happening in uh, in Asia. We're seeing a lot of um, restrictions happening in Asia. I think those autocratic regimes are, are really tightening their grip. Um, so we've actually seen now that two in five Christians in Asia are persecuted for their faith, uh, which is, is a really shocking statistic and feels so close to home um you know that asia is just you know across across the pond for us um but yeah now two in five christians are, are persecuted for their faith well that's 40 percent. so 40 percent of christians in asia are now going to experience persecution that is a huge stat isn't it yeah i know it's that that really stood out to me as being um a, a cause for concern um yeah and and i've just got a stat here um attacks on homes rose 371 percent from world watch list 2023 figures so that's worldwide um but attacks on on christian homes rose uh by more than three times almost by four times so it went from uh on four, just over four and a half thousand to just above 20 thousand attacks um, on Christian homes. So that right there, I mean, that's a that's a pretty startling statistic. It certainly is, Jordan, and it just uh, it just makes me think about what Jesus said in the last days: "Men will hate you; they will uh, drag you before courts; they'll imprison you." And and we are seeing the evidence of that today, aren't we? The church around the world is just suffering so much persecution. But um, I want to just remind us about what the Bible says. Hebrews 13 verse 3 says this, Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body of Christ also. Uh, Jordan, let's talk about what we, the Christians in Australia who are listening right now, what can we do about the prisoners, about the people who are suffering persecution right now? Yeah, I absolutely love that that passage from Hebrews because I think it it touches on the fact that we should um, we should feel one with them, and uh, if we don't, um, what, what's the disconnect? What's the problem? And something that we talk about in uh, Open Doors is is um, how leprosy. It, the the problem with leprosy isn't actually um, that something's eating away at your um, body. It's actually that you can't you lose feeling in your body, and so you hurt it, um, and the, the these infections set in because we can't feel it. And so I think that that number one thing that I think we can do as a church in in Australia is to actually feel it, to enter in, um, to not just kind of turn a blind eye and look away um, like a leprous body would. 
would to a, a, a body part that's disconnected, but actually to lean in um, to, to learn. Uh, we've got a, a bunch of resources on the website where you can actually learn about a country and pray for that country. Uh, we have a report that you can download so you can get to know some of these countries and the, the challenges facing them. And so I think what, the biggest thing that, that we can do is to not let our hearts be callous or uh, disconnected, but to actually lean in. And then as soon as we lean in um, and we, we, we start to, to enter in with empathy and compassion, I think at that point, um, uh, Christ will lead us to respond, whether that's through prayer or support, um, whatever that looks like. Um, when we offer ourselves um, to God to strengthen his His body, um, yeah, w- whatever it looks like, I think um, he, he'll, he'll lead us toward um, a mature and unified church. Yeah, I love it. And obviously, uh, you have a website, which is opendoors.org. Dot au and I want to encourage our listeners to check out your website open doors with an s on the end of it dot org dot au and you can find those reports you can find this information and and as you said Jordan if our hearts just lean there and just go there you know the Holy Spirit and God in us he can lead us and guide us into what steps we can take next but I think praying for the church the persecuted church around the world is a is a great step to take too isn't it yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, as, as specific as we can pray, um, there are prayer points uh, on the website um, and you can go through and stay connected. We have a, an option where you can actually hear the latest news and then pray um, for the persecuted church. You get um, a weekly update of what's going on in the global church and you can pray. So um, there's, there's a bunch of ways to get connected. But um, yeah, just to, to lean in and, and connect with our persecuted brothers and sisters and, and to be part of one body. I think that's um, that's that's that mandate from Hebrews 13, uh, for, from Hebrews 3, that um, I really love. Yeah. Now, Jordan, we do have a caller. Anne from Labrador in Queensland has called in. Let's see if Anne's got a question or a comment she wants to make. Can you hear me, Anne? Yes. Um, I actually have their little booklet that I pray every day almost with. And I and with it came the booklet of the uh, watch, you know, the 50 watch people countries as well. It came for this, you know, for the next month. And I'm just so grateful that I can uh, able to do that. I can't financially do that because I do Bible League, but I'm always looking forward to the little booklet that they give me to pray for the different uh, areas that uh, of the persecuted church. So I just thought it would be an encouragement for you to know about that. Oh, thank you so much, Anne. Thank you so much for yeah. praying with us. It, it means so much to know that uh, you people like you are standing with our brothers and sisters in that way. It's really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just love, but I just wanted to ask you one question. Um, those, like, in uh, South, Korea, <laughs> South Korea, um, do they ag- actually get help through you? Uh, I don't want you to know how you do it, but do they still um, get that or is it totally cut off um, for you people to, to, to do that? Yeah, in North Korea, we um, we uh, through local partners have a, a radio ministry actually um, that is actually based outside of North Korea. But we share Bible yes. stories and discipleship stories and um, all kinds of beautiful things so that Christians can feel connected, which is, uh, I mean, pretty profound. I can't believe that um, we're still able to do that. But yeah, we're, we're really grateful for that opportunity that God's blessed that. Okay, yeah, because that's the one place that you can't get into anyway, no? So I know it's very cut off, even though China is, but um, 
North Korea, I think, is more so than any other, I believe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, very good. Yeah, you know, and I had a, uh, I, I spent a year in Papua New Guinea as well in a mission, and there were parts of PNG when I was there that were so remote, so hard to get to, you know, through swamps and jungle and going towards the border of Eri and Jaya there, that some of the Christians would tell me it was almost impossible to reach those places, uh, you know, physically, either in a canoe or walking or whatever it was. So they said, those that we can't reach on our feet, we reach on our knees. And I think that statement is true for North Korea as well. We may not be able to go to North Korea, but we can reach North Korea on our knees in prayer. And and I want to thank you for calling us today. And as Jordan said, thank you so much for praying for the persecuted church around the world. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy uh, doing that, you know. So uh, today I didn't because I went out to a prayer meeting, but I usually, most mornings, I spend time with the Lord and I go through both. I go... I've got Bible League and also um, that one, their prayer list as well. So it's just great to be able to do that, you know. Good on you, Anne. We really, really appreciate it and just pray that uh, yeah, God keeps using you to pray for the persecuted church around the world. And, uh, thank you, Anne. Sorry, Jordan, just repeat that. I just said thank you, Anne. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we are about to reach a conclusion here, Jordan. But So we can lean in. I just want to go back to what we can do today, how we can apply what we've heard today and, and actually put steps to our faith. So we can lean in, Jordan. We can pray. How else can people help the persecuted church? Yeah, so people can support uh, the persecuted church financially. We have a whole range of programs. I think because persecution looks different in every country, uh, we we work differently in every country. But um, we have uh, a whole a whole host of ways where, that we support persecuted Christians through discipleship training, like I mentioned, that persecuted preparedness training. Sometimes it's trauma care, especially in places like Nigeria where there's violent attacks. Um, we you know do trauma care and rehabilitation. Um, you know, we do ed- education and literacy uh, for Christian children who get rejected at school. Um, so it, l- it looks like a whole host of things. And that's one uh, really profound way that um, you can stand alongside your brothers and sisters. You might also want to have an open doors rep come and share some stories at your at your church, maybe um, like uh, like I used to have, um, you know, what, however it looks like for you to connect uh, yourself and your family and your church to the persecuted church. We've got um, uh, a whole host of ways to do that. Yeah, and once again, if they go to your website, which is opendoors.org.au, that is a great starting point, isn't it, Jordan? Is there anything else that you want to share, Jordan, with our listeners today before we uh, we reach a conclusion here? Yeah, I think it's really hard to hear all of this and, um, you know, it's hard to process it and um, hard to reconcile it with our own experience. But, um, you know, the the body of Christ is a suffering body, but it's also a victorious body. And, you know, we, we see that in the, the man of Jesus, that he suffered, but he he's also victorious. Um, and, and we see that, that modeled out in his life. And so as we pray uh, for our persecuted brothers and sisters, uh, we can pray for them in their suffering, but we can also anticipate um, a, a glorious victory. And that's what they're living for. And, um, you know, as, as we, you know, kind of think about all this and reflect on it today, um, I would love for that to be what people are left with, that hope for eternal, uh, eternal glory with Christ. Amen. As the promise of God says, when sin abounds, grace abounds, much more. And uh, and as we said in the book of Acts, it looked pretty dire there at the beginning, didn't it? With persecution happening, Stephen martyred for his faith, Saul 
running around like a madman, imprisoning Christians and killing Christians, and then suddenly Saul gets saved, becomes the Apostle Paul, and the church explodes around the world. So the church's best days are definitely ahead of us, aren't they, Jordan? Not behind us. Yeah, I believe that uh, very strongly, and I think so do our persecuted family. Yeah, amen. And just a reminder again, the website for Open Doors is opendoors.org.au. That's opendoors.org.au. Jordan Scott, I want to thank you so much for your time today, for sharing your passion and your heart for our Christian brothers and sisters all around the world, and also for the statistics and the knowledge you've got. It's just uh, it's it's pretty incredible, to be honest, what's going on in the world. But thank you so much for sharing with us on 2020 today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, for sharing these stories, for being connected to the global body. We are one church. Uh, even though we have more local expressions of it, we're one church, we're one body, and it's beautiful to remember that. So thank you so much. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.